Hey guys, this is Kim Lapree from the Teachers Need Teachers podcast. I'm a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Be sure to check out all of the other amazing podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to Kindergarten Chaos, the Developmentally Appropriate Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to Kindergarten Chaos. This is Kathy. And this is Lindsay. That just felt wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what we're going to talk about today, Mom. <laughs> so today's topic is Less is More. And why, why are we talking about this, Mom? Less is more is one of my favorite tips that I learned early on in my career that sometimes we think we just have to do and do and do. And if we step back, really look at it closely, less is more. So I think we should talk about some examples of uh, less is more in content areas, less is more in... Um, just our everyday teaching experiences and so forth. Okay, let's do it. All right, so let's start with math. Okay, let's start with less is more. How can less be more in math? I know that um, one of the things that I see a lot of teachers doing is I seeing them doing addition and subtraction with digits 0 through 10. Well, I think that's all in great, and I think kids are perfectly capable of doing that if they're developmentally ready. But here's my example of less is more. The common core standard is addition and subtraction with digits zero through five. So if you're extending that- With fluency. With fluency. Mm -hmm. So if you're extending that and you're really working on digits zero through 10, and you're not teaching it to mastery and you're not teaching it to fluency then what was your point if kids are just so so doing digits zero through ten aren't they better off if they can fluently add and subtract digits zero through five well the national council for teachers of mathematics has always uh, talked about that we'd be better math instructors if we taught with more depth and less breadth because sometimes we get caught in the trap of breadth, of thinking we have to cover everything. But our kids and, and our teaching will actually be better off if we teach less things to depth. Like you, know, like you said, if we focus on um, fluently adding and subtracting to five, the kids will be better off in the long run. And our whole focus of kindergarten should be number sense. And the stronger we can get their number sense, the easier addition and subtraction are going to come later. So really, we shouldn't be pushing as far as we could go. We should be going as deep as we can go and getting those number sense concepts really solid. And I think we have, we have an early podcast about, an, early, an earlier podcast about number sense concepts, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, we do. So they can go ahead and listen to that because that's some great tips on that. 
So with less is more with math, I guess my point would be, please don't worry about if your kids can add and subtract the numbers zero through 10 when the core standard is zero through five and when we know that number sense is the most important. Well, and also if you, if you keep trying to push the kids, I mean, there's a point <laughs> yeah, you, really you could can. go on forever, you know? You could just keep adding things that you feel like it's your burden to teach the kids. And it's not your burden. So why are you taking that on yourself? Your job is to lay a really solid foundation, not to push as far mathematically as you can possibly go, because there's no reason. Even, even my son, who entered kindergarten as a five-year-old knowing how to multiply, even my son, I could take the standard of adding and subtracting within five, and I could deepen that. I could go really, really deep numerically with him. And he, he entered, and you could ask him, what's two times three? And he'd tell you six, because he understood math that well. But, um, but I could even deepen it for him and not go outside the scope of what's, what's there for us to do. And I think if anybody wants to look, um, I've been looking into a lot of uh, Montessori math methods and materials because I had a neighbor who gifted me a few that because she thought she might start a Montessori school someday and then decided that wasn't in the cards and so she gave them to me and so I've been looking in how to use them and Montessori is pretty good at that in math in going really really deep but not worrying about going as you know they just take simple materials and can go really, really deep with them. So if you're interested in more ideas about how to go deep with your math, I, I suggest looking into maybe some Montessori math ideas or, or looking back on our podcast on number sense because I think that'll give mm -hmm. you a good idea. Well, and if about. you really concentrate on going deeper with the, the core standards and the curriculum and the the tech standards, all the standards that all the states do, if you really look closely at your standards and adhere to them, that they will guide you in going deeper instead of further. And so when you see those worksheets that are mm -hmm. zero through five fluency, just know that that's where your kids should be and don't stress yourself out. Of course, you'll, you can expose them to it and of course you're gonna have higher students who can do it. So we're not saying that you can't expose them to higher concepts. Well, and I think the core standards, yeah, the standards do include some things that are higher than five, like exposure to teen numbers and how they're made. And, uh, oh, there's another one, but it's not coming to mind right now. But the point is those are first exposures. They're not meant to be taught to mastery. They're exposures, but the, the number sense and the zero to five, that's your mastery subject. So that should be your priority. Well, I think let's talk about teen numbers a little bit because I know teen numbers is a real difficult it concept. It is a very difficult concept. But I found that if I did less is more with teen numbers and really worked on the number sense behind teen numbers, that my kids more readily um, got teen numbers. They, if they really understood it. So pulling back again and laying that foundation, if your 
students are struggling with particular concepts, pulling back and actually looking at um, the foundational, I'm trying to decide if this is taping, at the foundational taping. things, yeah it is. If you pull back and look at the foundational um, items behind a concept and really make sure you're hitting that, then less is more. Mm -hmm. And you'll find your life is better because you're not stressing out over things that you really don't need to worry about. So let's talk about reading. I think that reading was kind of on my mind today because in one of the Facebook groups that is a wonders group. You are a member of so many Facebook groups. I have, am. Like, don't, so many Facebook don't, groups. Don't you don't want that, people to though. know that you have a million Facebook groups? Is it a secret? Oh, it's a secret. <laughs> oh. oh, so in one okay, fine, but don't say it so mean. I didn't mean it mean. I just don't know how you keep track of everybody. I don't. I only keep track of the ones that show up on my feed. I don't pay attention yeah, to anybody right, else. Okay. I just if Facebook didn't tell me I should look at them, I don't look at them. <laughs> So I was thinking about reading today because on a, a Facebook group that I belong to that is specific to Wonders, the curriculum Wonders, there was a question by one of the members that was, um, so it, when in Wonders do they teach diagraphs and blends? And my answer to the person was first grade. <laughs> because that is where they teach diagraphs and blends. Now, I teach diagraphs to my students because they need it for writing. Mm -hmm. And so I teach diagraphs for writing, but I don't do real formal um, diagraph lessons because it's first mm -hmm. grade. <laughs> and blends is definitely first mm -hmm. grade. So that's another example of less is more. So we don't need to stress out about things that we don't need to worry about. Uh, Silent E is another great example. The Wonders and Journeys curriculum programs, they both don't address Silent E until near December in their books in first grade. And so I know that they're included in chapters 9 and 10 in Wonders, but why are we stressing about it? If, if we teach, worry about those concepts of silent E and long vowels in chapters 9 and 10, then they're not exposed again to them formally until the December um, units of first grade. Then I had to take a step back and think less is more. Do I want to really muddy the waters with students who aren't developmentally ready with um, silent E and long vowel patterns when I should really step back and do a really, really, really good solid job with consonant vowel, consonant words? Mm -hmm. And you know what's interesting to me about programs like Wonders and Journeys is, I mean, f I would never suggest that somebody just follow a program like that blindly without taking into account the kids in your classroom and their developmental needs and their personalities and the community you're serving. I would never suggest just blindly follow a program because that's not good. But 
when you look at a program like Wonders, it was developed by Dr. Donald Bear and Dr. Douglas Fisher and Dr. Vicki Gibson. I mean, these and Shanahan or how how do you say his name? Shanahan. <laughs> let me see. I don't. Oh, David, the one that did words yeah. their way. What's no, well, Bear did words their way, and Dr. Timothy Shanahan. Yes. There you go. <laughs> and yes. and Dr. Josefina Tina Carroll, which I probably ruined her name, and Dr. Doris <laughs> Dollhouse. And, I mean, these people know what they're talking about. And, and I mean, they really, really, really know what they're talking about. They <laughs> And if they say, you know, and, and I see some, it's in, in my area, it's sight words. And you know how you and I are always saying sight words are good, but holy cow, some people go crazy with them. In my mm-hmm. in my area, people are adding at least at least twenty more sight words to the kindergarten curriculum than what's actually in the Wonders program. And for goodness sakes, if Doctor if Doctor Bear says it's okay to just do one sight word a week and end up with how many do you end up with forty. 40. 40. If Dr. 40. Bear says that 40 is a good amount of sight words for <laughs> kindergarten, then why the heck have we all decided we're going to add 50 more and make ourselves teach 50 extra sight words? Plus, how are you supposed to teach a five-year-old those sight words to proficiency if you just keep throwing extra ones in there and you don't ever give them time to really learn and learn solidly you know, the ones you're supposed to be mm-hmm. doing. Like you're supposed to start out with just I and can and see and then practice I and can and see in their writing and in their reading and in their big book and get them really solid. But I see so many people being like, well, I'm also going to throw in boy and I'm going to throw in girl on week two and I'm going to throw in want on week three. And it's like, why are you doing that to yourself? <laughs> I actually heard a teacher say, well, if you're doing, if he, if the week is he, then I'm also going to teach me and we and see, and because they're all word family words. So I'm going to teach word family words with sight words. And I'm like, wait a minute, sight words aren't word no. family words. They're high frequency words that are occurring in our language at a high at frequency. <laughs> and... I agree. I that's one thing I really applaud the Wonders program about is 40 is a great number. And it's not 100% of the 40 that kids need for mastery at the end of the year. Uh, you know, 30 out of those 40s I think is kind of what they um, have as the mastery number for students. And and you read the list of names of the people that wrote it. So why are districts teachers Whoever adding more sight words to the to their list. I, I don't, I don't get know. It. I just know <laughs> that if those gurus tell me I don't have to do 150, <laughs> I'm not doing 150. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, I know from experience that a student that leaves with 40 sight words and really knows those sight words, they know how to spell them, they know how to write them. They know how to use them in a sentence, and they really, truly know those sight words. They're way ahead of a kid that can tell you a hundred words on a flashcard. Yeah. Well, 
because that's rote memory. So we all know the difference between rote memory memory and solid, Solid, useful useful memory. Yeah. I mean, I can I can tell you all the fifty states and their state capitals. I learned it in fifth grade. (laughs) (laughs) But can I really, really know the state capitals? Find them on a map. (laughs) Can I find them on a map? Can I visit them? (laughs) Can I (laughs) know anything about them? Yeah. Do I know anything about them? So that's a good example. Really think of something that you know from rote memory and think about how useful that information is. And that's kind of how sight words are. And I'm going to, I'm going to say something I think we could cut down on that you aren't going to agree with me about. Okay. (laughs) What is it? I don't agree with you on a lot of things. (laughs) I want to know who was your mother? (laughs) Taught you all that stuff. (laughs) Taught you all that gibberish. You did. It's all your fault. I am the way I am because of you. It's your fault. So after, well, I've I've been trying to improve my own uh, phonics teaching. So I've been doing a lot of personal research and uh, reading Dr. Blevins' book this summer was part of that. And I also did a workshop with some teachers who are trained in Marie Clay. And something that I learned from that is that all of our emphasis on teaching word families is not actually very useful. And that's what you're going to disagree with me about. But we spend no, all the we really. spend all these units of let's teach all the words that say at and let's teach all the words that say n and let's teach all the words that say eb. And from my understanding of what I've been reading, that's really it's you're not getting much bang from your buck from teaching word families. You're better off teaching the letters and their sounds in the order of their, like in the order of their utility, and then have the kids start building words out of them. And they don't have to just be in word families, so. Well, honestly, can you tell me where they teach word families in Wonders or Journeys? They don't. They They don't, don't. because (laughs) according to the gurus, it's not helpful. It's. Should I tell you why I like to teach word families? Why do you like to teach word families? And I don't really over-teach word families. I just like to do a little bit with them. But it's for those poor little children that haven't caught on what I'm talking about with rhyming uh, phonologically. <laughs> <laughs> and when they finally see it visually, sometimes it clicks. So I like to do a few word families actually more with rhyming and as an introduction to poetry than word families for phonal, for phonemic sense. Hmm. Phonemic's not the word, phonics sense. <laughs> so I agree. The act, you can't find word families in those curriculums. No, because they're not so, really all that helpful. So we so don't no. don't go out and spend a thousand dollars buying word family posters because <laughs> it's it's not very useful. Although I have some adorable ones that I, I love. Do. I have some really cute ones. I love I those posters. I don't want to can keep them. Give, them. give them back. I, want I don't know them where they are. I think they're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> they're I don't cute. Know where they are, but they're not. I don't have them. But if you're using word families as for rhyming, then it is purposeful. And one thing that um, 
Her name is Dr. Kathleen Brown, and she's the head of the University of Utah Reading Clinic. And my school is working with them this year, and so I'm getting to know her really well. And she, um, at our last training, she pointed out that there was a teacher she walked by and was playing a game. And she just said to me, so what's the purpose of that game? And I said, well, he's playing a consonant-vowel consonant game. And she said, but they're slapping the card, so are they reading the card? And she just really drilled it down because I love playing slapping <laughs> card games. <laughs> but she made me think for a minute that uh, we always need to know the purpose for what we're teaching. And if it's not a purpose that is a standard, it's not a coming from our curriculum that we are required to teach, then really we need to think about why are we doing that? Well, I just trying to, I, I've just been trying to get better at the phonics end of it. And one thing that I did for myself this year was uh, I, I learned that, you know, it's not good enough to do these whole group phonics lessons. Like the kids should be spending most of their time actually putting the things you're teaching them in phonics into practice. So they need to be reading something that incorporates or reading or writing something that incorporates what you taught. So if you just taught the letters, if you just taught the sight word I and can and the letter, what's the first letter in wonders? M, M. and the letter M, then they need to... M-A-N-S M-A-N-S? Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. So if you've just taught I and can and M and A and S, then they need to practice reading something that includes that. So I took the letter order of wonders and I took the sight word order of wonders and I made a book for every week that includes the words and the letters that they know from that week and past weeks and only the letters and sounds and words that they know and nothing else so they can practice it every week. And holy cow, that's hard to do. That's really hard to <laughs> that do. That was a giant project. Oh my gosh. I don't think anyone realizes when they see those books. The it was hours so hard to do because you'd be like, okay, I want to write a story that makes some sort of sense, but I can only use the letter M and the letter A and the letter S and nothing else. <laughs> so a lot of the first stories involve Sam and then the next story involves <laughs> Pam and then Pat. Pat is introduced, but I've noticed that um, since I've been having the kids practice every week with those, it's really made a difference in how well they are retaining all that information. And I think they're doing a lot better than years when I just gave them as many sight words as possible and tried to ask them. In, instead, this time, it's I'm just focusing on one sight word for now because I haven't gotten to two sight words a week, really. And, uh, and it's helped. Wonders gets to two. Yeah, I'll be soon. there pretty soon. But their first, but their first few are just one. Well, and it's what we talked about. You're doing less is more. You're only, uh, of course, your repertoire of letters and words get bigger <laughs> as your books go on. I, I do want to make that I mean, clear. Well, yeah, but you don't just stick with what's in that chapter. No, unit. it you, expands. You, so every. It Every week, from it, that it, it builds on what the weeks before were until they finally have all the letters. But they, I still only use only the kindergarten sight words. So, 
Because what is more useful? Flashing a hundred sight word cards or actually teaching students how to use, read, and remember 40 mm -hmm. sight words. But it's been helpful. But if you want those, they are now on our teacher pay teacher store and you don't have to make them lucky you. Because <laughs> I did. <laughs> And it was hard. <laughs> well, and they're great books. My at my current school, they're using Journeys and Foundations. And I'm not making I'm one for my... you. It was too hard. If you want a Journeys one, you're <laughs> yeah, on I was your own. Say, Will you make me one? Maybe next but summer. Anyway, I've been using your Wonders ones with my kindergarten intervention groups, and it's the Wonders word order is close, close enough. enough to the Foundations word order and the Journeys word order and letter order that that they work nicely. So they're working for me also. So if you're not a Wonders user, you will like them just because they're really good, solid books that have a purposeful order to them. And, and some of them are kind of stupid and maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll adjust them down the road. The one this week was kind well, of stupid. your proofreader was your five-year-old kindergartner. They got, they got better once Every I had my five-year-old kindergartner. You, there, was, there was your little five-year-old kindergartner proofreading your book. So, hey, she liked them. <laughs> <laughs> so they're for kids, right? Yeah. So I think they're great. Another thing that it reminds me of uh, is talking less because of my new position that I'm out and into more classrooms and actually watching people um, teach I've really noticed that a lot of people talk too much <laughs> <laughs> now I'm possibly guilty of it I didn't watch myself <laughs> but um, I noticed during a guided reading lesson that I was watching that the teacher just kept talking and talking and talking and talking and so the kids were she was doing all the work that mm. like she was doing a picture walk and she did all the talking and she had them find sight words and she did all the pointing and she did all the i don't know and so i thought i think that's another thing is teachers need to talk less mm -hmm. and help less mm -hmm. like Teachers are too apt to jump in if a, if a student's having a problem with something. I know, I jump in too fast. You just yeah. want to jump in. It's our natural reaction. We're teachers and and women are moms and, and boys and are dads. It's our nature. <laughs> and men dads. And, and, well, not necessarily always that. but <laughs> And some are none of those things. But we're human beings and we all want we're, to help We're empathetic and, human beings. There we go. And so when you see your students doing something, stop and think, less is more. Can my kids figure it out on their own? And that's another thing that I like to have specialists. We've talked about that in centers. I, want, I like to have a specialist for like the computers or the iPad center or the painting center. And I show one kid what to do to fix the problem or where to find a supply. And, and have the students take responsibility. It's their classroom, and, and they, they can help more. And I don't need to jump in and fix every little problem. 
I know on the playground that I think that's a really big thing. I, I, I know I probably drive some people nuts, <laughs> but when I see kids arguing and, uh, you know, if it's not an escalated bullying behavior, if it, like if they're just natural kid arguing or fighting, I'm not going to jump in because they need to learn how to solve their own problems. But some people are right over there solving the problems for them. Yeah. I'm that way too. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> obnoxious. There's this well, one kid in like the to solve the problems. Well, there's this one kindergartner who, whenever I'm out watching the kids at recess, she always runs over. So and so and so and so are fighting. So and so touched so and so. So and so took so and so's ball. <laughs> and then the other day, she was finally like. She told me, Billy and Bobby were yelling at each other over there. Isn't it good? I came and told you. (laughs) Sure. I'm not going to do anything about Billy and Bobby. They're way over there. They don't care. They're figuring it out. (laughs) Oh, another thing kind of related to this is worry less about behavior. I, I just think that a lot of times people jump into behavior situations that really are escalated with adult engagement. Does that make no. sense? You have Do to you give me I'm an example. About? Okay. Oh, darn it. <laughs> You're going to make me give an example. Oh, I'm, I'm trying. Yeah, I need an example. Like pick your battles. Pick your battles. If if a kid is sitting there picking his <laughs> nose and eating it. <laughs> You know, is that a battle I'm gonna fight? I'm I gonna am I gonna have a If they're at my guided reading picking... table, I'm certainly gonna tell them to stop it. Stop picking your boogers and See, wiping I, them on the table. Would, I won't because I'm picking my battles. <laughs> I'm saving my energy for things that matter. You know, maybe they're oh, hungry. Gross. Maybe they like the oh, taste you're of boogers. Gross. Ew. Ew. <laughs> it is kind of disgusting, disgusting. if my kid was picking his nose at school I'd certainly want their teacher to tell him to cut it out <laughs> but I know what you mean about picking your battles that's a battle I'm willing to pick are you gonna, are you gonna... <laughs> literally pun, pun intended <laughs> pun intended so let's say we're lining up and two kids get in the line and they start arguing about who got there first. Now, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go over and, and, and intervene. I'm certainly going to get close to them in proximity. I'm going to make sure, you know, no one's going to shove the other kid. But I'm going to let them talk through it. And that's a battle I'm not going to pick either. Why were you I was laughing, laughing cuz I'm still laughing at myself for saying pick your battles. <laughs> I'm so funny cuz you're so funny. <laughs> Let me think. That one's not a good example. Don't use the line. The line and up one. No, I what? thought that was fine. What's another good example cuz I have a million examples. I just Another example is kids um, being noisy at centers. I'm not going to pick that battle either because 
I can tell you all the purposes and reasons that a noisy classroom, the students are actually learning more through um, vocabulary and oral language, and Vygotsky will back me up, so I'm not going to pick that battle. <laughs> <laughs> so less is more. Use your energy on things that really matter, that you can change and you can take care of. Now, assessing. Because we have a lot of assessments required, I, I, less is more. I found ESGI. Yay, ESGI. I used to have stacks. Yeah, I used to have stacks and stacks and stacks of paper that I would need, and I'd spend hours and hours making a great spreadsheet and making all that data reports that I needed and wanted. And with ESGI, I have saved myself all those hours they say it's 400 and I think it's probably <laughs> even more than that <laughs> and so if you haven't tried ESGI uh, it's ESGISoftware.com and use the code kiosk to save yourself $40 on your first year's purchase K-I-O-S-K yes, yes. we should make a chair K-I-O-S-K go get yourself some ESGI today with code K-I-O-S-K wait K-I-O-S-K go that's your code to save yourself 400 hours today so because it's less because it's less is more and I'm not going to expend any energy on that and pick my battle. I'm not even going to comment that that cheer was awesome. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> I feel like you're being sarcastic about my cheer. <laughs> I kind of was, but it's all right. So how about planning? About I don't planning know. Your lessons. You're the guru at planning. I, I'm, I'm winging it half the time. Don't tell <laughs> anybody. Don't tell my administrator that I'm winging it half the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've seen your lesson plans. I was gonna say you're, you do more is less with lesson plans. No, I thought I do still, less. Is less is you less. You still hand write your lesson I plans. I like to hand write my lesson plans. It's therapeutic to write them down. I don't know why. Yeah, so I think I think I'm a Luddite. I think this is going to be <laughs> this is going to be more. Um, what's the word? When oh, this is going to be more personal choice and and your own personality. But I'll give you my lessons more when it comes to planning. My schedule is the same. Every Monday looks like every Monday, and every Tuesday. Can you hear my clock? It's Christmas. Of course, I still have my tree up. And <laughs> what's the date? January something. Yeah. I still have my tree up. I had three trees and we took two down, oh, but we still have one up. Good for you for taking two trees down. That we must have been hard. And we still have our outside decorations <laughs> up because they're deer <laughs> in white. Aww, and they winter. look so pretty. And it's wintry. And yeah, I still have... Okay, I still have a lot. I always feel bad when all the Christmas lights outside go down because January is so dark without them. So I, I, I appreciate <sighs> yeah, you still have lights is. outside. So I still have my tree up. Anyway. So... 
So anyway, one thing that I found was my Monday's always like my Monday and my Tuesday's always like my Tuesday. And so what I did was I made a really nice template on Excel that I really spent a lot of time on and put all of my curriculum into where I was going to teach it. And then I found that I didn't have to really write lesson plans because I had and then that. You just and then I had a place a in my room where I put my math and I put my center material. And so I just always kept that organized and all the stuff out. And so I didn't ever write lesson plans for lots of years after I figured that out. That really all I need is a really, really good, solid um, schedule template. And if I have that, that's all I need. And that saved me a lot of time and I like it. I don't need to handwrite that to be therapeutic. I, <laughs> it was, it's more therapeutic to me to not do it, but I know lots of people love to handwrite it. If I, if I put everything in the computer and then could just reuse the same template over and over, it would save me time. I don't know why it's therapeutic for me to actually write it down because a lot of times I accidentally leave my book at home and then that's a problem, <laughs> but it's, it's therapeutic for some reason. So I do it that way. Well, I think it's therapeutic to write, to make a calendar. Also, I love to do a calendar book and have like in the, I like to have the see at a glance calendar, but I like the day pages so I can take all my notes on the day pages now that's so, so you kind of get it know, you kind of get it yeah well and I know other people would always only do an electronic calendar so like I said it's your own personal choice but think about it if it's something that would work for you then go the less is more I just method. remember getting a calendar at the beginning of sixth grade when they were trying to teach us how to be good little sixth graders and go to all our classes and keep track of it. It was the first planner I ever got. And I still remember filling that thing out and thinking it was so cool to write everything down in my day and see everything all laid out ahead of me. And, and, and ever since then, I just want to write things down, I guess. That reminds me of a story. <laughs> because when um, your brother... He was right after you in middle school, and he got his planner and was doing it too. And he was just like you. He was very studious in doing it. But his teacher was a little bit different than yours. She made the parents sign every day that they had looked at the calendar. And to me, less is more. <laughs> I did not have the time to sit and read through his calendar and sign it at the end of the day. I had more important things to do. So I went through and signed his whole book. <laughs> and I said, you proved me wrong and you are in so much trouble. <laughs> and so at parent-teacher conference, her name was Jennifer Martin. She said, so I see you signed all of his calendar. And I said, yep. And if he never, if he doesn't have it filled out one day, then call me. But I'm trusting him and teaching him responsibility <laughs> of doing his own. So anyway, I'm sitting in a meeting yesterday with some English language arts teachers at middle school. And they were talking about a calendar that they sent home with their kids. And they said, and can you believe it? So-and-so brought back their calendar and their mother had signed every date. <laughs> 
<laughs> like it's me. Can you believe? Can you believe that? Can mother? you believe a parent would do that? A horrible like, mother. Oh my no! I can't believe some mother that actually trusts her child would sign every day for a useless assignment. <laughs> I could hardly hold a straight face. <laughs> so you didn't tell them. You just went with it, like, oh no, I did not tell them. I just, I did not tell them because it was a big deal to them. You know me. And I would have just, sold them. <laughs> just the end of the story. He turned in his calendar, filled out. Uh, every good job, day. brother of mine. <laughs> good job. So less, less is, is more. more. Let, put more responsibility on your students. Put more responsibility on your own children. There you go. Any any final words of wisdom before we say goodbye? Nope. I think I think we lesser more Jew to death. <laughs> hey, if you guys have any topics that you'd like us to talk about, please let us know. And we'd love to address things that... Um, you're interested in and you can write us at kindergartenkiosk at gmail.com have a good night everyone k-i-o-s-k go sign up for esgi today with k-i-o-s-k if you have a better commercial write us in our email and i'll do that instead yay goodbye everyone Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts for educators, by educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's E-D-U podcastnetwork.com. Now can I listen to it?